He is risen. He is risen indeed. Happy Easter, everybody. And uh, glad you can make it to the worship service here at Chesterland Baptist Church. Uh, there's lots going on, of course, as everybody's got different stories as, they're, as they are coping with the virus and being at home with their families and catching up on things, that, projects that they haven't done before. And, and yet yeah, spending a lot of time in prayer for those who are suffering from the coronavirus. As you know, probably now someone who's been affected or touched um, or been quarantined by it. I've got several friends who are and carefully praying for them. But, uh, but today the focus is on uh, Easter and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we're here today to celebrate him and to worship him. So I would invite you uh, here into my home. I'm in Indiana and uh, recording this. Uh, this is new for me, so I'm, I'm getting used to this as a uh, but I certainly would love to see your faces, and but all I see is the computer screen. But uh, but I want to just uh, come together with you today in, in a word of, uh, from the God and uh, to help us to focus on uh, what the resurrection means. And so as we begin, uh, let me just begin with a word of prayer. We begin with uh, you, Jesus, our resurrected brother who now sits at the right hand of the Father who has been there since your ascension and you've been watching over your people ever since. And uh, thank you, Father, that this day is a day that we come together to celebrate you as a body of Christ and we join with all the believers around the world in the invisible church, those who are called by your name and have fellowship in the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Father, we praise you and we glorify you for all that you have done for us. And as we gather together in our different homes, uh, we are all looking to you, united in heart, knowing that you are watching over us and we thank you and we praise you for that. We thank you for the salvation that's in Christ. And Father, as we gather together, would you use this time to help us worship you, to praise you, to give you the glory. And as we do so, Father, we ask that you would lift us up and uh, give us an increase of faith to understand the hope that's ours in Christ. And then just to think about uh, what you taught your disciples with regard to the resurrection. So, Lord, we ask you to guide us and uh, give us the light, open our eyes and open our hearts that we would uh, be your disciples this morning. We pray this thing, these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, he is risen. He is risen indeed. When, you, uh, when we think about uh, Easter, and you think about the fact that we are, this is the first pandemic Easter that we have, uh, I've called this uh, sermon the Contagious Christian because I'm very much aware of the fact that there's a lot of things that are like the virus when it comes to the gospel. And uh, in the sense that uh, as the virus is spreading and you think about the influence from one person to another, likewise, um, the same goes with contact with, with people as we are carriers um, 
of the uh, of the coronavirus germ. We we may not know that, but when we're thinking about uh, Easter, if you think about the message of Christ as uh, good news, and that we can pass that on one by one, and to celebrate uh, uh, the faith that we have in 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 what Christ has done, uh, represented today in Easter, but. I, I want to begin with the fact that uh, we are a peculiar people. And ever since the time of Christ, we have known that people have not followed this understanding that, uh, that to believe that Jesus uh, has been ri- has raised from the dead. And for the last 2,000 years, there's a lot of people who would say, I'm not sure about that. Uh, let me bring us up to date Today in uh, England, half of England today, according to one report, does not believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And of course, as uh, as you look at the church, uh, there's never been a, a hundred percent uh, adherence uh, to the belief in Christ. But as you see, the church is moving um, in different directions because of all the influences in our culture, you see a lot of people believing less and less in the Western world in the in the resurrection of Christ. And uh, here in the States, uh, there have been polls in the last decade where we've seen a Harris poll, a Rasmussen poll, a Gallup poll that says that about two-thirds of Americans do believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but that number is dropping slowly uh, because of all the secular influences and the writings of people who are uh, questioning whether or not the the reality of the historical Jesus really did include the resurrection, and so as I as I begin this uh, message, I wanted to say that very clearly Jesus Christ understood the influence of the outside. A world on the church. And so he said to his disciples in a number of places, he says, he warned the disciples about the leaven of the Pharisees. He says, be aware, be on your guard against the leaven, leaven of the Pharisees and against the uh, leaven of Herod. And as he's talking about this influence of those who don't believe, in particular, the Sadducees, who were religious leaders in in the temple, they did not believe in the resurrection, in contrast to some of the Pharisees who did. And... uh, But Jesus warned them that there is an hypocrisy going on here among certain groups who don't believe in the resurrection. And then he said to, about Herod, be aware of the leaven of Herod, because he was a manipulator, a man of expedience, a man who thought he was above the law. But the thing about both of these groups, interestingly, as you'll see later, is they did not heed the warning of the prophets. And therefore, The question I have for you is, do you have to believe in the resurrection to be a Christian? Huh. For a lot of people can be religious and have their faith, but not be a believer in the resurrection of Christ. And therefore, uh, when they came 
when these unbelievers came to Jesus, uh, that same day that the Sadducees who say there is no resurrection, they tried to trick Jesus. And they came to him saying, uh, Jesus, Moses told us that if a man dies without having children, his brother must marry the widow and raise up the offspring for him. Thinking to trip him up, they asked, now there were seven brothers among us. The first one married and died. And since he had no children, he left his wife to his brother. And the same thing happened to the second and the third brother, right on down to the seventh. And finally, the woman died. And then they turned him with their main question. Now then, Jesus, at the resurrection, whose wife will she be of the seven, since all of them were married to her? Notice the reply of Christ. He said, you are in error because you don't know the scriptures nor the power of God. And those were the two things he pointed out to the, those who were not believers. You don't know the scriptures nor the power of God. And consequently, as you think about the, the question, do you have to believe in the resurrection? There are a lot of people in our, in our culture who will, make, uh, who will question and contend. You don't have to believe in the literal uh, resurrection of the body of Christ. And there are people who are embarrassed by that theme, uh, who, who, who think that in our modern day and age, with our scientific knowledge, we understand that people simply do not come back from the dead. And yet, to believe as to to have a belief in the resurrection, and yet to be religious, in one sense, how do you get around this in our day and age? Well, there are a lot of people who say, well, you don't have to believe in the in the metaphysical restoration of a dead body. And Christ in the grave. What you can do is you can have a workaround and you can call it a metaphorical, symbolic, meaningful uh, image that you can hope for, like, like somebody who comes from behind, the underdog, or or when you've been down and out and you really need to come back, and so you've been brought back to life because you were down in the dumps and now you've been resurrected. Uh, by the way, you know what the word resurrection means? It means to stand up. Raise up and stand up. And so if you've had problems and you've overcome some addictions or overcome depression or whatever, and then you stand up all of a sudden, uh, some people think, well, you've, you've come back to life. It's like you've got a good night of sleep and now you've, you feel like a new man. You've I got new life. Well... That metaphorical thing, uh, people have taken this as a, as a metaphor, much like when uh, Fyodor Dostoevsky was um, standing in front of a firing line for his activities against the government, and the guns were pointed at him. And at the, right, at the last moment, a messenger came with a with a stay of execution, and while other people had been shot to death, they stopped killing 
uh, people then, and he was, uh, and he survived, but he was sent to Siberia to a prison. Well, Dostoevsky was a Christian, and he didn't think that just surviving the um, the firing line would give give him a, a salvation, but he you could say he was resurrected from the danger, and he's out of danger. But that metaphor thing it really wasn't what the church has believed for centuries. Ever since 325 A.D. in the Nicene Creed, we have seven little words. And those words are, on the third day he rose again. Now that was contested and, and, and thought about, but the church, early church fathers understood that the resurrection meant a literal, physical raising from the dead. Matthew 28.6 says the same thing in a different way with seven little words. He is not here. He has risen. And so when you think about how the early church began to understand the resurrection, uh, and we'll look at that in a minute with the disciples, but the early church father, Athanasius, he says he brings, he brings a new perspective on this issue of death. Since the day when the Savior rose from the dead, death is no longer a fearful thing. And all those who believe in Christ know that in dying, they no longer perish, and that the resurrection will render them incorruptible. Well, that's an amazing thought. It's an amazing reality. It's an amazing uh, belief system if you believe it, but a lot of people don't believe it. So what would you say to somebody who really, in our day and age, doesn't think that that's really necessary to believe in the resurrection? I'm gonna give you today uh, three amazing reasons why I believe in the resurrection of Christ. And there are a lot of traditional approaches to uh, trying to have the apologetics for explaining or or persuading people, but here are three things that help me understand why, if I were to ask the question, why do I believe in the resurrection? And the three amazing things are these. First, is that there are prophets and there are prophecies about the resurrection. Second, is that there are, there are promises and proofs of the Messiah about the resurrection. And third, there's the peace and the presence of the risen Lord for anyone who believes in Christ. Well, let me go to the first one. The prophets and their prophecies of the resurrection. Three amazing things that make this story of Easter really contagious. Um, and the first guy I think about when I think about the resurrection and who really was the one to write the most about it was the Apostle Paul. And in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says, Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I pre preached to you, which you also received, in which you also stand. There's the resurrection. To stand. By which you are also saved. 
And if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Now notice what he says next. I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried and he was raised again on the third day according to the scriptures. Did you get those two references to the scriptures? That Christ died according to the scriptures and he was raised according to the scriptures. It's, you'll see this theme underlying a lot of the New Testament faith because Christ taught his disciples that the resurrection was directly tied to the prophets and the scriptures. I want to look at that for a moment because in that in that sense, there's a basis for our faith that's not just uh, looking at the current day or at the, at the events of that day, but to look at the broader scope. But Jesus taught his disciples about the resurrection. Remember in Matthew 16, when Jesus had taken away those disciples up on a mountain and they they were discussing who people thought he was. And they said, uh, they discussed there was Moses and Elijah. And, and then Peter turned to Jesus. And probably face to face, Peter said, you are the Messiah. You are the Son of God. And Jesus responded, you, you Peter, uh, you have now been touched by the Holy Spirit. This is not of your own, that the Holy Spirit has revealed this to you. And, and then something amazing happens. After having the knowledge that he is the Messiah, Jesus then begins to teach his disciples for the first time that Matthew 16, 21, that from that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised up on the third day. Peter, not understanding, took him aside and began to rebuke him. God forbid it, Lord. This shall never happen to you. But he turned to Peter, get behind me, Satan, for you are a stumbling block to me, for you're not setting your mind on God's interest, but man. So there's the first time you see Jesus tying uh, the resurrection uh, to, to this crucifixion and being raised up on the third day for Peter and those disciples. Matthew picks this up four chapters later in 20. When now moving towards Jerusalem, Jesus said to the disciples, We are going up to Jerusalem, and there the Son of Man will be delivered to the chief priests and scribes, and they will condemn him to death, and we will, and will hand him over to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify him. And on the third day he will be raised up. Jesus knew and trained his disciples that the crucifixion was to come and was to be followed by the resurrection. In Luke 9, 
22. Again, Luke, Mark, uh, Matthew, John, I'll pick it up. Here's Luke. The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and scribes and again be killed and be raised up on the third day. And as, as Jesus thought about as Jesus thought about um, what he was training, he fully well understood that that the salvation plan included the cross, included the tomb, included the resurrection, and included a returning home to the Father. So much so that in John 13, at the time right before the crucifixion, it was just before the Passover feast that Jesus knew that his hour had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. But he knew the resurrection would mean a return to the Father. Well, notice again when Jesus went through the resurrection, and on that day of his return uh, to the Father, at the day when he was crucified in Luke 24, at that time, having gone through the Passover, and having gone through the, uh, the time in the tomb where he descended into Hades, at the resurrection on, on the morning of Easter in Luke 24, something happened. And I want to draw your attention to what was happening in Luke 24:10. When they went to the tomb, it says that they looked for the body of Jesus. But when they looked for the body, they heard those seven words, He is not here. He is not here. He is risen. Well, the women who were with him, who were at the tomb, were Mary Magdalene, Joanna, the wife of Chusam, who, who, whose husband worked for Herod, mother the Mary of James and, and Joseph, or Joseph, and uh, there were other women. Well, when they saw that the tomb was empty, the angels came to those women and they said those words, He is not here. When they looked at the tomb, the women were perplexed, and they were terrified, wondering what had happened to the body of Christ. But when the angels came and assured them, He is not here, it was on the word of the angels that, that confirmed that something, uh, that Christ had been resurrected. Well, notice uh, when it says, that he was not here, remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee. And what the angels did was to say to the women, remember how he spoke to you? Remember that he told you before this was going to happen? Saying that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of the sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. 24 verse 8. They didn't remember until somebody told them. Till the angels told them. And so they returned from the tomb and they reported all these things to the eleven uh, disciples uh, 
and it says, verse 9, and to all the rest. Not just the disciples, but the rest of the believers who had gathered together there. Now, when they said, uh, they came and they were telling these things to the apostles. They said, he is risen. He is risen. You can imagine the excitement that they had and, 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 and the joy. Uh, they were just so overwhelmed with the fact that he is risen. But it says in 24, these words appeared to them as nonsense, as they would not believe him. They would not believe them. And so in the course of trying to understand, they said, yes, he is risen. So they all went to the tomb and they discovered for themselves he wasn't there. Well, that excitement started to grow within the body, that small group of believers there. And then one day, uh, two people of that group left and they went down to the town of Emmaus. The two disciples on the road to Emmaus met the resurrected Christ, but didn't recognize him. I wonder why. But he said to them, talking with them all the way, listening to their conversation about what was going on, and they said, don't you know? Don't you know? Haven't you heard these things? That Jesus Jesus died and uh, was crucified and and these women just came back and they told us about Christ is risen and they were amazed, the scriptures say. And Jesus said to those two, O foolish men, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. And there it is again. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? And then, Luke 24, 27, and beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in the scriptures. And then they approached the village where they were going. And, and they, he acted as though they were going farther, but he left them. But they said, weren't our hearts burning when he told us about those things? Notice Jesus didn't talk about the tomb. Notice Jesus didn't talk about the cross. Notice Jesus didn't talk about the resurrection. Notice that Jesus did talk about the prophets and what they had spoken regarding the plan of God. Well, the same, same message, the fact that Jesus would train his disciples and take them to the scriptures, you'll see this over and over again but in particular in the book of Acts where we're studying, if you go to Acts chapter 13, in Acts chapter 13, uh, <clears throat> it says, fellow children of Abraham, Jewish folks, and you God-fearing Gentiles, uh, it is for us, it is to us that this message of salvation has been sent. The people of Jerusalem and the rulers did not recognize Jesus, but in condemning him, and notice what it says, they fulfilled the words of the prophets that are read every Sabbath. And though they found no proper ground for a sentence, a death sentence, they asked Pilate to have him executed. 
And when they had carried out all that was written about him, they took him down from the cross and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead, and for many days he was seen by those who had traveled with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. And they are now his witnesses to our people. Notice that those prophets were read every Sabbath by those in the temple, but they did not recognize Jesus. And notice that this whole uh, process of the crucifixion was already written, and when it was when it was uh, uh, fulfilled, what was written about him, uh, then they became witnesses, and so. It goes on, we tell you the good news. What God has promised our ancestors, again, prophecies and promises, he has fulfilled for us, their children, by raising up Jesus. And so what do they do? They go back to the scriptures. As it is written in the second psalm, you are my son today, and I have become your father. You are my son. Today, I have become your father. And God raised him up from the dead so that he will never be subject to decay. As God has said, I will give you the holy and sure blessings promised to David. And so it is stated elsewhere, you will not let your holy one see decay. But David did. When David had served God's purposes in his own generation, he fell asleep and was buried with his ancestors, and his body decayed. You see, Jesus knew and taught and trained his people to believe in the resurrection. And they tied it directly to the scriptures and the prophets. And their hearts were burning, and they became witnesses. They became contagious Christians. That's the first reason, I believe, in the resurrection, because the scriptures teach, and Jesus believed it. The second thing are the promises and the proof of, of Christ and the resurrection, about the Messiah. And so when you come to the promises of the resurrection, the Jewish people understood that there would be a general resurrection from the dead. After death, there would be life. They would hold, ever since Job would say back in, in Job 19, I know that my Redeemer lives, and I will see, and I will see the face of God. Let me find that for you. Job 19, uh, Job chapter 19, 23. And as for me, I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last he will take his stand on the earth. Even after my skin is destroyed, yet from my flesh I shall see God. And from whom I, my, I myself shall behold, and whom my eyes will see and not another, and my heart faints within me. The trembling hope that Job would see the Redeemer finally was such an exciting thing way back 2,000 years ago before Christ came. Well, the promise of the resurrection, knowing that, that there would be a resurrection to see Christ, but the, they didn't anticipate that Christ would actually be risen in current time, in their in their day and age, and so the example I, I go to is is in John 11 when Mary and Martha lost their brother uh, Lazarus, 
And when Jesus went to them, the conversation that he had with, with them, he says, did not I tell you that if you believe, you would see the glory of God? And, of course, Mary and Martha both said, yes, we believe that in, in the general resurrection, we know that he's going to come back, but, but Jesus, no, he had something different. He said, uh, Jesus looked up and he said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you have sent me. The promises, the resurrection was going to be shown to Mary and Martha and those who were around that tomb as almost a, uh, a preparation for believing that Jesus himself would be risen from the dead. But when Jesus would say to them, he says, do you believe? And they said, he said, I am the resurrection and I am the life. And therefore, as he turned to those, he says, do you, do you really believe this? And so this idea that, that belief tied to the words of Christ, Christ would say and declare, he is not going to be resurrected only, that he is the resurrection. And for all those who would believe in the word of Christ, the promise that Jesus gave over and over in different ways would be something like this in John 5, 24. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has, has eternal life. He will not be judged, but has crossed over, resurrected from death to life. Well, those promises those promises, though a man die, he shall live again. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Well, they did. And so after the resurrection, there are many times where Jesus presented himself. Three times in the book of John. In John twenty nineteen. 19, uh, the group is gathered together and, and Jesus appears before the disciples. And Thomas is not present with him at this point. But he says, peace be unto you. Shalom be unto you. And that means the blessings, the, the, the covenant promises, everything that was promised by the prophets, and now is going to come to a presence of, of being restored into a covenant relationship with the Father. In John 20, 19, he said, peace be with you. The second time, John 20, 26. At this time, Thomas is present and Jesus extends his hands and says, look at these things. Look here, Thomas, touch. Be not unbelieving, but believe. And this was the third time Jesus appeared to the disciples when he was uh, on the beach and he was raised from the dead and he provides breakfast for the disciples. And he turns to Peter, who really needed the assurance that though he had denied Christ three times, Jesus would assure them that he would love him three times. I know you love me, Peter. I know you love me, Peter. But I want you, Peter, to go and uh, feed my sheep. If you really love me. 
In other words, Peter, you're going to be contagious with the fact that the love that I have for you is to bring you forgiveness. And that's what they understood. The promise of the resurrection means that Jesus has conquered the, the virus of sin and death. You see, the coronavirus is serious, but there's a serious, a more serious virus that's affected all of us. It's the virus of sin. And Paul talks about that in Romans 5, that through one man, Adam, sin came, and through that sin, death spread to all men. And that death is the death that we all can be assured of. But in that dying, we also face a judgment. But in the resurrection, the promises mean that the fear of facing God without a Redeemer standing before me is going to leave me in such terror. But knowing that the judgment is coming would, would cre create such a fear of dying that that fear, the Bible says, entraps people all the days of their lives. And so they live in fear. But the resurrection removes the fear. Removes the fear of facing God in judgment because in Christ there is no more judgment because the cross means that Christ took the judgment. The resurrection also means that, that he has provided grace and he has provided forgiveness through the shedding of his blood. The resurrection means that now you can have new life in Christ and you can be called into a fellowship with the Son in the kingdom of God. The resurrection means that God not only wants to forgive and redeem, but he promises to raise us up with him to live forever. That is the promise that he will be with us to the very end. And that means the promise is he walks with us daily. The third thing is, the reason why I believe in the resurrection is because the peace and the presence of the risen Lord was there for the for the disciples, whoever, wherever they went. And they knew that after Pentecost, especially because Jesus said, I'm going to send you another one, another helper, who will guide you into the truth, and he will apply the things about the gospel. He will apply the things about the cross. He will apply the things about the resurrection. He will apply the things about the ascension and the hope. He will, the Holy Spirit is going to guide you into the realities <clears throat> of the resurrected life. But more than that, he's going to explain the mysteries of why Jesus did it in the first place. It's an amazing thing that Jesus was resurrected. It's truly amazing. But the question of why did it happen in the first place? Why did Jesus have to die? Why did Jesus ha have to be raised again from the dead? And the answer is, for you and for me. Oh, it's one thing to believe that Jesus died and rose again. That's, histor that's history. But to believe that Jesus died and rose for me and rose for you to remove your sins and to restore your relationship, to believe that is to personally believe in the promise and the prophets and then you can participate in salvation. And that's why <clears throat> I believe that that presence of Jesus in my life gives me the peace that passes understanding. It 
removes the fear. And therefore, we believe, I believe, the resurrection is true because Jesus taught it. Jesus believed it. And therefore, we believe because of the prophets and the word of God. We believe because of the promises and the word of the Son. And we believe in the presence of the Lord's Holy Spirit. For those three reasons, whether people are foolish and slow of heart to believe, or they've been influenced by the by the Sadducees or some other secular influence, <clears throat> I do believe because the scriptures are the authority and Christ is the risen Lord. With the coronavirus, I saw this sign the other day. It talked about the power of social distancing. That if you if you are in contact with somebody that you're going to affect somebody and one person uh, would affect <clears throat> in five days they could affect uh, two to five people but in 30 days there'd be something like 406 people are infected the idea that we want to separate so that we don't influence each other with a virus that would again create all the problems that people have struggling with the virus now and if you if you reduce your exposure, then less people are going to be affected. Well, that's just a perfect example for us, that if you have the, the virus of the gospel, the good news of the gospel, so to speak, and the leaven of the gospel, you bring salt and light, you can bring hope and love, you can bring things that people don't have to bring, and therefore, why not share the good news? And that's what we do as we begin to share with people about the resurrection uh, those who say, I don't, I don't believe in the resurrection, you can say, well, I do, and, and you can, and I'd be glad to help you. But to pray that the Spirit of God can take a foolish heart, a darkened heart, and bring about the power of the cross. You err because you don't know the Scriptures nor the power of God. If the resurrection is foolish, then the cross is foolish. And Jesus and Paul said, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to those of us who are being saved, the cross and the resurrection, they are the power of God for those who believe. Well, our time is closing. What we need to do now is for those who have received Christ, celebrate and, and, and rejoice and praise God for the wonderful promises that he's given to you. Because we know that if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. And for us, stand up, rejoice, be bold, and share. Don't be afraid to share Christ, for he is risen indeed. So my word to you, church, is trust the prophets, trust the promises, trust the presence, enjoy the peace and pass it on. Christ is alive and he's going to use you as part of the plan to promote the kingdom. So be contagious with the good news and be aware of the leaven of the unbelievers. Be aware of the leaven of the, of the uh, Pharisees, but be the light and the leaven for the gospel 
of the risen Lord. He is risen indeed. May God bless your Easter time with your families and may this week be a wonderful time where you really celebrate the fact that he is alive and with him you can have new life. Praise God.